0: Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right. We're going to get back in the Word of God this morning, and we're going to go look in the book of Luke together. As we continue on in our series, Essentials and Living Generously, there are many different essentials for us to follow as we follow Christ, and while you're on your journey of faith, there's one essential that is really important, and it's one of those things that Jesus talked about on occasion, and the essential value will cause you to look out for others, which in turn can make your life more meaningful and fulfilling. And I'd say that most of us in this room want to have a fulfilling life, don't we? Uh, we want a fulfilling life, and you want a life that is full of joy, a life that is full of strength, but one uh, one way that our life can be fulfilling is to become a person who is generous, living generously. Now, now it seems to many people that living generously is to live in a way that we're giving of our finances, and that's really not what we're talking about at this point that's not our focus but to live a generous life uh you it can be uh you can say that it's someone who's surprising others with a loving initiative to give give first should i say that again since i messed it up (laughs) surprising people with a loving initiative to give first to give of ourselves first now like i said it's not necessarily speaking about giving funds those kind of things now for those of you who are firstborn, uh, most who are firstborn tend to gravitate towards positions of leadership because that's their position in the family, right? And uh, when there's a family crisis, everybody tends to depend on the firstborn. They tend to be perfectionists. Doesn't mean they always are, but they excel in a structured occupations and prefer orderly lives. They can be reliable, conscientious, punctual, and goal-oriented goal-oriented, and love to make lists. I don't know if that's you or not. I'm not the firstborn, but I like to make lists. Uh, the, the male first, firstborn is likely to be calculating, control, controlling type who keeps his feelings to himself, and he, he may become an architect, an engineer, or those type of things, an account, accountant, and a writer, Unexpectedly, though, firstborns are more creative those that are born uh, later on in the family. Uh, show us a phenomenal artist, and we'll tend to show you a firstborn. Okay, okay, so some of you are, are not like that. You're not the firstborn. You're kind of like me, and uh, uh, well, the, the question is, that we may ask is this. The firstborn may tend to give first, but what do they give first? Is it kindness or is it something cutting? You know, what, what is it that they're doing? You know, that's a question we may ask. I don't know. Now, how many in here are firstborn? How many are not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, interesting. Huh? You never know what you're going to see. <laughs> but we can be people, no matter what our birth order, who surprise others with the willingness to be kind first. There was a time that Jesus was talking to a crowd and He spoke uh, spoke a little to them about judgment. And He was challenging them to consider how they should engage others. You need to remember that some of the people that He was addressing, they were just a little bit rigid, we'll call them. They were rigid people. And uh, so Jesus ministers to them. Right before Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus told the crowds of people who came near Him, that they should love their enemies. The people were there from Jerusalem and Judea. They were there from other places as well, from Tyre and Sidon, which is up on the coast. And, uh, and this crowd of people had gathered as he taught, and Jesus was healing people. But some of the Pharisees had uh, really been given Jesus trouble. It seemed like that was their job. Uh, and even Jesus lived out what he was teaching with these guys. And... Jesus makes four appeals uh, to make a key point here in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28. If you'll look at those verses with me on the screen. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. So the special objects of love are people who don't like you, people who don't treat you well. The love Jesus commands is not an intangible love that is tucked away in a person's mind, but it is a love that is actually demonstrated in a concrete action towards other people. The disciples should do good to those who hate them, bless those who curse them, and pray for those who are mean to them what a novel idea right jesus counsel here expects action not just a private expression to god alone but there has to be some action in in the context of rejection jesus calls for extraordinary trust in god you and i as his disciples should reflect this kind of love Constantly, it should be working in our lives. It's easier said than done, though, isn't it? We all know that, but we—that's why we have to depend on the Holy Spirit to help us. What you can't miss here is that to live out doing good, blessing, and praying for the person that doesn't like you at all means that you have to trust in God. That means you have to put your trust in the what the Lord said. That means that you have to expect that what Jesus is saying here is actually good counsel. You have to trust that His words have to have the right spiritual view of how we need to handle these very difficult relationships that we work in in life. Now, Jesus' appeal to us reminds us that if we're going to follow His guidance, uh, we can expect the right results. Now, here's the hard part. He did not say that every enemy will come back and start being kind. That's what we hope for, right? That's what we pray for. But it does not mean that that will happen. But he still says the same thing. Jesus didn't say that every time we do good to someone that hates us, that that person will turn to God and come back to us and forgive. And everything's all great. But... But the good side is, is that some will, and some will not only respond to us, but they will respond to God and allow Him to work in their lives. They take 10 hours, it may take 10 days, it may take 10 weeks, it may take 10 years, it may take even longer. But what we have to do is trust in the Lord, even if they won't come back, we have We've done something spiritually power. What we have actually done is we have demonstrated the kingdom of God for them. We've demonstrated what Jesus has done and we've reached out to them with the compassion of Christ. If you've ever went to the Alamo down in San Antonio, Texas, there's going to be something that you see when you come into the entryway. You're going to find on one of the walls near that main entrance a portrait and on that portrait, there is going to be this inscription, and this is what the inscription says. It says, James Butler Bonham, no picture of him exists. This portrait is of his nephew, Major James Bonham, deceased, who greatly resembled his uncle. It is placed here by the family that people may know the appearance of the man who died for freedom. And that's the end of the quote. No picture of Bonham exists, So they used somebody who looked like Him. And see, no actual portrait of Jesus exists either. Oh yeah, people paint pictures of Him all the time. Their depiction, their idea of what He may have looked like. And we, we understand that. But the likeness of the Son who sets us free can be seen in the lives of those who are His true followers. For those of us who follow Him. If you and I are willing to be like Jesus and live generously, people will have encountered the kingdom of God. Are we willing to surprise people by giving first? Are we willing to do that? So you don't doubt that Jesus calls His followers to active, visible love for their enemies. He gives us some illustrations in the New Testament and, uh, that, and that's kind of His focus. He turns... He talks about turning the other cheek. It pictures a person slapped on the cheek in rejection, which was an insult to them personally. Many examples like that appear in Acts chapter 18 and and 21 and 23. Yet the early church consistently turned the other cheek by continuing to share the gospel with those who had rejected them. They didn't fight back in kind, but they attempted to overcome evil with good. Now let's look over here in Luke chapter 6 verse 37 to see what he says here. Jesus is speaking. He said, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now if you understand that, sometimes we talk about that verse 38 in the sense of giving, uh, as we give back to the Lord in a general sense or financially, but really he's talking, if you look at his context there, he's talking about judging and forgiveness and such. And The measure we use toward others, God uses towards us. If we learn to live like Jesus, we should be slow to judge. And love for your enemy does not set a view of Him in stone. The measure we use towards others is the measure God will use towards us if we do not judge harshly. He will not judge us harshly. With that in mind, I should call somebody up to the podium here. Nathan, would you come and help me? He has no idea I'm doing this. (laughs) I'm not saying you're my enemy, okay? you're you're just uh, you're just helping me. So we we know that if uh, that we will stand before the Lord in proper judgment, we understand that scripture teaches that that each one of us will stand before him. But like Jesus, we still need compassion. And if we do not condemn, he will not condemn us. He will give to us in good measure. Now, this is what we need to figure out: what is good measure? What is this? It really—that's a good. It's a picture of uh, what happened in the ancient marketplace. And so, what we're going to look at here: Nathan is coming to get something from me. He wants some rice, right? Yeah. You want some rice? Yeah. Some rice. Awesome. That's great. Okay. Could you step out here closer, Nathan? So what we're going to do is I'm going to give him some rice. Now I could do it one of two ways. Uh, this side is it's uh, not going to come out very well. I could kind of do that to him. There you go. That'll be fifty shekels. Or or he's asking for the whole cup, right? You see his face. He's not too happy. So I could go the other way. Well, I could just take the lid off, and I could give him a little bit more rice and just make. Hold on here. Hold on here. Is that enough? No, it's not enough. I could bang it down to make sure it's full. Could you imagine if that's flour, what it's gonna do? So I'm gonna give him some more. Give him some more. Oh, 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 oh. that's too much. Sorry about that. I don't want to give all my rice away. Then you're gonna have to vacuum that later. Look at that. (laughs) So I had to get I'm giving him that you know, that's what God's gonna give me back from what I'm giving. I know when I was serving in Africa, I noticed one of the things they would do is they'd give a, what they called in the, the language where I was at is a tajara, if I say it correctly, I don't remember exactly, but they would add a little bit more to make sure that he had all that he wanted so I can give a little bit more to him to so where it's running over. Boy, you got some vacuuming to do, buddy. <laughs> I could give him all of that and make sure, and then it says it'd be poured into his lap. Now, No, I'm not going to take your (laughs) shot. You're a good good sport. Thanks, Nathan. (laughs) That's right. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. When we think about these kind of things, we recognize that as we give, if we give more than what's required, you know, we can give just... Part way or we can give just to the limit or we can just fill back and give more good back to the other person than you could ever dream that's how God measures generosity to those who give and in fact he gives so that not so that the cup runs over like the rice did there that he's got to vacuum up and and this abundant measure God pours into the lap or fold of one's ancient garment. But God honors the compassionate spirit. That means I need to vacuum this up, right? (laughs) Bring it to me after church. (laughs) What we dole out to others, what we give to them, in the measure we give it to them, is how God is viewing to give back to us. The measure we give to others we receive we want to be people with a compassionate heart giving pressed down shaken together and running over if you want compassion give others compassion if you want mercy give others mercy if you want kindness give others kindness and that that really brings up the next part for us then we have to leave vindication in God's hands we have to leave justice in God's hands all All these appeals assume that the disciple understands that God is watching over him or her and any justice should be left in his hands. The greatest vindication of all is to transform the enemy into a friend of God through the example of love. Saul was one of those people. Saul, who we now call Paul, is perhaps one of the most prominent biblical examples. This man, Saul, was a supporter of Stephen's stoning. We see it here in Acts chapter 7. We find Stephen proclaiming salvation and its history for God's people and explains how Jesus the Messiah fit into that history. And then he challenged those who appeared to be God's people by saying, and now you have betrayed and murdered Him, meaning Jesus, you have received the law that was given through the angels, but have not obeyed it. After he said a few more words, Luke writes that in verse 57, he says, At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city, and began to stone him. Here's Stephen. Meanwhile, the witnesses lay their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul. He's the one putting on the show. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You would think that would be the end. But that was not the end. Verse 60 says, Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. You get what happened here? You get what took place here? These guys are doing their their due diligence, which is not good, to to destroy this man's life because they didn't like what he was saying. Stephen does something that Jesus himself has done on the cross. Stephen was just a deacon. He wasn't one of the apostles. He is just a deacon. That's all he was. He wasn't the big cheese. He was just a simple follower of Jesus who was willing to serve like you and I. Yet he gave his life on account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There with Saul as the one who kept the coats for this stoning mob that was around him. Stephen prays for them, including Saul. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. I would assume that he was not feeling too good at that point. These guys are pelting him with stones for the intent to take his life. And he's saying, God, forgive these guys, forgive Saul, forgive so and so. I bet he probably knew some of them, maybe not all of them, but it's probably some of them he did. After Stephen dies, the persecution continues and followers of Jesus run from that place to be able to protect their lives. There was no immediate change for Saul. There was no immediate change for them, him, so no, no happy ending yet. If you look over at Acts chapter 9, you see what kept taking place. It says in Acts 9 verse 1 and 2, should be on the screen for you, it says, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, which means those who are followers of Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. See, he, he, was, he was under a different kind of religious rule at that time. Uh, the the priests of the day, they had they were political powers more than they were spiritual. They were more about keeping their place. And so he wants to take them back so that they can be tried. Saul was mean. But he was religious mean. didn't say he was spiritual. He was religious mean. And you, you may say, well, what, what does that mean? He was bent on the idea if no one would believe his truth that they should die. And that's not the way God intended But God got, got past Saul's religion and answered Stephen's prayers. Here in Acts chapter 9, Saul met the risen Savior. And vindication came with forgiveness and redemption. Saul was transformed by God in answer to Stephen's prayer that those who were stoning Him should be forgiven. See, Stephen shown with an example of what the kingdom of God really is about. Compassion and forgiveness. That means each and every one of us can apply that if He could do that. It, when He went through that, and He wasn't the Son of God, He was a man like you and I. Some people just want to give a token, though. Sometimes they want to just give something little. One time, a socialist came to see Andrew Carnegie, who is a very wealthy man back in the day. And soon, the guy, the socialist, was complaining about the injustice of, of Carnegie, excuse me, of Carnegie having all the met, all the money he did. And so, in view of this uh, wealth, uh, it, it, he, he knew that he thought it should be divided equally. The, the socialist and Carnegie asked the, his secretary for an assessment of everything that he owned. At the same time, he pulled out a way to uh, do some calculations. He calculated and figured out how many people were in the earth and how much each one should get. So he, after he did that, he gave the gentleman 16 cents. He said, Here, here's your portion. Here's what you get. That's, my, that's your share of the wealth. Justice must be left to God. When we trust God, our share can be much more than gold. Remember that the measure we use towards others, God uses towards us. When you look at the life and death of Jesus, you find many instances of grace and mercy. Sure, there were times that, the, that He challenged people beyond what we would think would be the norm, but, but if you follow me over in the book of Luke, in chapter 23, you can find that Jesus was at the pinnacle of his life on earth. And he has spent his time teaching about the kingdom of God and living it out before those around him. And in fact, he was a great example of who the father was. and He lived it out uh, when he encountered others. And usually, uh, this account is what you may hear at Easter. But now, let's look at uh, chapter 23 of Luke in verse 32. It says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him, who is Jesus, to be executed when they came to the place called the skull. They crucified them there. him there along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. So Jesus wasn't alone there. We know that there were a couple other guys up for capital punishment with him. And in verse 34 it says this. But Jesus was saying, Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. He's saying, Dad have mercy on them because they don't get it. They don't understand. They can't put it together. Even Stephen, that we talked about earlier, had the same view of Saul and the gang that stoned him. They just didn't get it. They're they're spiritually blinded by the father of lies. Jesus didn't hold on to his desire for justice or vindication. See, sometimes in in our search for justice, we end up destroying the only good things that remain. What we may see as justice is simply vengeance. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, from somebody who should understand that, which is the Apostle Paul, he says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. He understood that. He had received redemption. He had received forgiveness. God's the only one who sees behind the scenes. He's the only one who sees in the heart of an individual. He's the only one that can understand it. And we know that sometimes we may try to look at somebody at face value and say, well, this or that. But the fact is, we don't see it all. Only God does. He's the only one that can. In Luke chapter 23, verse 39, it says this, one of the criminals who hung there." hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me. We find the first criminal who is suffering the consequences of how he had lived his life, and the law had caught up with him. And and uh, he then he starts throwing insults at Jesus, and in his final push of pride, he he makes fun of the one who could have given him life back. It was just then at the at the sound of a proud criminal, but the, that the other criminal had Jesus back. He said, "You know, we messed up. We get what we deserve." But Jesus didn't do anything wrong. See, the second guy was there too and he heard what Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. What happened? He encountered the kingdom of God. He had encountered the kingdom of God. And you and I can also be ones that show and display the kingdom of God as we forgive, as we reach out to those who are not very kind or nice to us. And we love them as we care for them. The first man's response was one of stubborn, stubborn pride and the second man's response was one of humility. It was this man who willingly asked the Savior, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now I suppose Jesus could have said, you know, you don't deserve this. But I don't. You deserve it. But I don't deserve it. Jesus himself was bringing the kingdom of God to this man. He said, Truly, I tell you today that you'll be with me in paradise. That criminal had put his faith in Christ. We heard earlier that the measure we use towards others, God will use towards us. Would you stand with me this morning? We close this up this morning. To live a generous life, you can be somebody who surprises others by others by being willing to give first. Leave vindication and leave justice in God's hand and pray for others who treat you poorly, even like Jesus and Stephen. We need to be people who are willing to allow things to go and to forgive and to restore and to care for people. Sometimes people will do things to you that you don't even want to talk about. But there is a time to forgive. There's a time to move on. There's a time to allow God to work in that person's life. As He said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's His work. That's And how He handles that is up to Him. Hopefully, how He handles that is to bring redemption in that person's life. Hopefully, that person will respond to the Lord and allow the Lord to work in them. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank You, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to hear Your Word, Lord God. We thank You for the opportunity that we have, Father God, to apply Your Word to our lives. Help us as Your people to be able to, when the things come in, when we come into a situation and there are those that butt heads, may You bring grace and may we share love and kindness. Because, Father, that's Your desire that we share grace like You've shared grace with us. None of us deserve it. Not one of us deserve it. But You have been kind to us and You gave Your life on the cross so that we can give for what we've received. And help us, Father, to be people who are willing to give back to others in great measure. Not in judgment, Father, but in kindness, in generosity. In mercy, help us as we give that to others, that Father God, that you would reveal your kingdom to.